0: sure <laughs> Okay, welcome back. This is Jay Faith. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh Faith and Jason we're talking, and in the second episode, we're gonna just acknowledge Jamie Foxx. Uh Jamie Foxx <laughs> Jamie Foxx had a medical emergency last night, actually, and his family uh is thanking you for the prayers. I swear to god, that's why I read it just last night. It's only hitting the news today. We don't know what happened, we know he's in recovery. He was taken from the set of his new of the latest film he's on. Um, and as I was telling Jason, Jamie Foxx hasn't been in a movie for like uh, several years. Like He's been like he said kind of partially retired, I guess. So you, like, you really haven't seen him for a little bit. So I'm not surprised that you also you in our last conversation. For those of those who are just catching us up. Uh, <laughs> Jason thought that uh, Jamie Foxx was Eddie Murphy in the movie Annie. Um, and i thought it was kind of funny that you thought that because eddie murphy is also a person who's kind of partially retired so i see i feel like you 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 know your subconscious was accurate in some fashion there of like oh yeah black actor who i don't see very often anymore like because both of them are not right like when's the last time you saw eddie murphy in anything
1: i only like that thing i don't remember but like i feel so stupid because i'm like here i am just being like wow i really forgot jamie fox i, I remember watching his like it's it complex, he was a like
0: how did it, how did he disappear in my memory bank right no he's been gone he like kind of he didn't do no announcement or nothing right he just was like stop doing stuff well let him enjoy it, his life but of course it's now a little like ironic of course
1: the day that i'm talking about i'm like oh he's now seriously hospitalized like i hope he's fine.
0: something <laughs> happened i think they said he's in recovery the his daughter mm-hmm. made a statement and so it seemed very much like something happened but he's okay he's resting comfortably or something so nothing, no like big accident, you know. I mean, I don't know if you saw what happened to Jer- Jeremy Renner getting yep. run over by the yep. snowplow, right? And yep. I, I met that guy a couple times once Hollywood, really nice guy. At Barney's Beanery, he used to hang out there, years and years ago. But just the loveliest gentleman. Um, and I, I was really sad to see that that you know he had that accident. I was really glad to see you know his recovery and. The work that he's putting into um you know getting around now so it's unfortunate like you know anybody who's out here doing this stuff um you know you don't have uh it's not that you have expiration date it's that you know we all all of us get old you know
1: you know i want to talk to you about that because i feel like something that we don't really talk about as people who are from la is about what is celebrity done like, what, is, what does that mean to be like, think about like, what does it mean to be a celebrity now versus a celebrity back then? Because I think to your point, right? Like, you know, we, like, I feel like because we live in a space where celebrities exist existed and is existed a lot, like, you know that there are people who are really nice, you know, people who are complete assholes, right? Um, but I feel like
0: a then lot there's, of people don't know and then, there's Richard, and then there's Richard Simmons who literally put his tongue in my mouth. <laughs> Did i tell
1: you about that no what the like, what do you mean richard simmons ple- Wait. wait uh, are you talking about richard simmons the one who was like on to exercise or in kiss
0: no the one who no the richard simmons from kiss uh winked at me once which made me feel wonderful <laughs>
1: that, wait, What, what is the wing tip? Wait, you mean on your eye he drew a wingtip on you
0: no he winked he winked like he he, he literally like did like the old-fashioned like
1: how the hell did you know it was to you and not like thousands of people behind you? That makes no there sense. Were,
0: you. I, you know I turned around and saw no one?
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, well back to the story where you are like morally assaulted, why didn't Richard Simmons put his tongue in your was,
0: But yeah, so good, I've had both Simmons, thanks, that's a good point. Um, but the, yeah, he, he, um, 20, this would have been 20, uh, 2010. I was working at, you know, on in Ho- West in Hollywood, like on Sunset, like next to the Rainbow mm-hmm. Room, doing social media agency type of stuff. Um, and there was like a place on Sunset that sold sandwiches. And so we all used to eat down, you know how it is in L.A. a lot of times you eat in the same building that you work in. Yeah. You know, you go to the cafe downstairs, and get food, or whatever. And so I done that. And I guess he was there because, like you said, if you live in this area and you're on Sunset between, you know, sunset boulevard (laughs) i should say (laughs) people are like what's on sunset (laughs) i'm like yeah right sunset boulevard which is a big street in la and you know if you're near all the you know clubs and stuff like that you might run into somebody going to you know rehearse or coming out of something and so yeah he came he had a little you know white track suit on looked a little fresh and i you know i just saw him and kind of went oh you know oh it's nice to see you in the world good for you you know (laughs) And he walked over, put his hands on my shoulders, and then took my face in his hands, uh, and then I was like, what's happening? And then he just kissed me and put his tongue in my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) I was really, uh, I was like, usually if you were to do that to me, I would be like, I'm gonna bite your tongue. Fuck you. (laughs) But he was so like gentle and like, you must want this. And I didn't want it at all. But... (laughs) I also guessed guess from this interaction that he was not all together as much mm. as he had been in the past. Because I'd yeah. seen him around before and he'd never done that to me. <laughs> so, well, <laughs> I guess two things, right? I think this would never exist in, a, in,
1: a, in our COVID world. Like, that's never going to happen. And then the second part is, oh, right. it, it's so weird that you mentioned his name because, you know, I remember that there was, like, this huge questioning of, like, what happened to Richard Simmons or, like, a, I think, like, a docu-series or something... And the whole thing like,
0: because yeah, he's been like he just
1: disappeared he disappeared became like a social recluse so he exists right?
0: honestly somewhere. i haven't seen him since he kissed me i haven't seen him. <laughs> 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 and i was so taken aback because i don't this not really happen to me um you know for the most part and then you know god why would you do that to somebody you see on the street and then he was mad at me because i had the sun i had the sandwich with a whole bunch of onions and he was like ew onions and i was like well what do you want you didn't know what you like this wasn't coordinated in
1: advance right
0: right it's not like i'm brushing my teeth before i see you hun like you know what i mean like you're a random white man on the street so but that's definitely you know uh, you know i was a pretty big person at that time too so you know i wasn't you know i who knows if he just thought i was a huge fan and that's what he does to his fans but really weird um, but most celebrities, that's probably I would say that's the weirdest to me is like one of the weirdest celebrity sightings I've ever had in my life. Um, most of them are more like nice to see you, nice to meet you. You know, once in a while, I mean, some people like I was telling my my son, I was you know he he was like who's Oprah and I was like oh somebody <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was I like me and so her we're,
0: we're not really good friends. Um, <laughs> Um, and I was saying that a lot of it's she has been around a really long time, right? Mm-hmm. And so now, like, I just seen a picture of her. She took a whole bunch of black women with her to an Italian spa on a trip. And I was like, okay, you know, you're hanging out with black people much more than when I had seen her and interacted with her. Mm. And so I said, you know, she might even be much better than she was when I was a younger kid. And aren't we all right? Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's something different, you know, just uh, i used to have a doctor who i loved in but they were in the same complex as the newsroom cafe on robertson
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, which is across the street from a place called the ivy which is a real like kind of celebrity hot spot real housewives type of place mm. paris hilton anybody who's famous in la might be there at one point you know in the last 20 years or something Um, And so I just, like, wanted – I couldn't keep going to this doctor because every single time I went, I was, like, always running into celebrities or, like, getting into, like, a crush of celebrity. Like, you know, like, that's the downside people don't really get is that, like, now you're stuck and can't get to your parking space for, like, 20 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Because there's paparazzi. And you're like, oh, it's paparazzi. Paparazzi in this area, I won't come back, right? Exactly. (laughs) If you're from L.A., that's what you're doing. You're not like, oh, let me go find the celebrities. You're like, oh, God, that's taking 20 minutes on my my commute. (laughs) Like, you know so it's really we it's not just uh, oh we don't care about them it's like we're annoyed um you know oh they're filming here i gotta go around i can't park where i used to park or something's happening that's changing our regular schedule and impacting our life yeah. um i i don't think we're actually perhaps we should be a bit more grateful as southern california types that we have a huge industry that's adding a lot of money to our economy <laughs> well i i think that's your point though right and i think that's what I'm thinking about as well is like, you know, when
1: when I think about celebrities, I'm thinking about artists, I'm thinking about actors, singers, like these are creatives who are just creating content, but they're also bringing in jobs,
0: right? And yeah. so I
1: think for me, like, I, it's, I love that's your celebrity story. Like, I mean, I know you have a lot of celebrities, stories. I love how that's the most random one. But like for me it's just one
0: of the weirdest just as far as like that was really strange
1: yeah <laughs> like i think my favorite one is my parents you know we had a restaurant in venice and behind our restaurant um i actually had like uh one of my best friends literally lived behind us so i would see him all the time and then one day they left and lo and behold i know it was really sad. i was like i've never had a best friend before here he is gone and the it sounds so weird so there is this movie series that's called American Ninja, and the lead actor actually moved in, and it was weird because it was so nice to me. And so my parents would be like, "All right, we're working. Do whatever the heck you want." And so I'd be like, "Hey David, like, what are you up to?" So naturally, actually this, like, this chubby Asian kid being like, "I am totally bored. What are you doing?" He was super sweet, very kind. Um, but I think that was the whole point. I was like, having celebrities were normal. Like, I went to a school where a lot of parents were celebrities, right? Like, I went to Smokey Robinson's house, you know, we had Donald Sutherland's kid go to our school. Uh, Jack Osborne, while the Osborne series being filmed, actually went to my high school, right? And so I think for me, I've always been used to the fact that they're just normal people, but they they have talent or associated with talent, um, but they're normal, and I feel like the weirdest thing I see now is that as we've now moved from celebrities to influencers, right? Like we really just now sell our people for just being themselves or some advertised versions of themselves. They're not doing anything special, they're just existing. And that to me is mind boggling because I feel like I've seen so many like current generations being like, oh, that's what I wanna be. I don't wanna be a great actor. I don't wanna be a great singer. I don't wanna be a great director. I just want to look really good in a tank top and and really just enjoy myself smoothies. And I'm like, why is this a thing? How is this something that you're striving to become? Because
0: it's absolutely worthless. I think it's interesting because um, you know, so many years ago, Andy Warhol said, right, that everybody gets that 15 minutes of fame. And, you know, that concept was. You know, everybody, everybody gets a chance, right? Everybody gets that, and and people are like, that's not really true. But I think now with advent of certain technologies, it's becoming more true. Right? The virality is such a thing now. It's that such a we might time. have 50 to 100 million people in our country of of like 400 to 500 million or something. Those folks might be famous, like have followings of over a hundred thousand, or or have viral moments of millions. And thousands upon hundreds of thousands of people are now experiencing that. So how does that change, you know, what, you know, um, I was telling, you know, my son storm, I was like, Hey, um, you know, we'd love to see his godmother and he's grown up with his godmother, you know, somebody who I used to work with and and she's famous. Um, but he hasn't really known her as a famous person. Right. Mm. Because we've just, we do FaceTimes and, you know, we do video chats and, you know, those type of things. We send messages and she sends cards. And and so he's just growing up with this person who's active in his life, who cares about him and loves him. And then I'm trying to, like, slowly kind of have the talk of, like, hey, she's also this person that's fairly well known. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, has... And I'm really excited for her because she has a new book. It's, it's my friend Sarah Ferguson, the Duchess of York. Yeah. Um, she has a new book, and she's been out in the world, and she's back, baby. Um, <laughs> like she's doing stuff, and um, and I'm really excited for her because she's this really creative person um, who I was lucky enough to land a job with. Somebody else hired me for her, by the way. You know, mm-hmm. I actually got hired off of Craigslist. I put my resume on Craigslist, and somebody from. Uh, an investment team working with her called me and was like, we'd like for you to help us, you know, make her website. And then mm. we got closer and she was like, okay, now you're this and now you're this. And, you know, eventually stopped working and, and just stayed friends. And she's been such a lovely influence for my son to have this great, you know, lovely lady who sends fantastic gifts. Yeah, And, and she sent us a, a little Christmas ornament of this is Buckingham Palace on the back. But it's a, a little corgi. Oh, really? It's so cute. It's a little corgi. And it's, yeah. Uh, and and so we, we put that on the Christmas tree because I just stopped taking the Christmas tree down. I just dust it every year. And <laughs> 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 You ain't
1: got the old thing, you're like, dying pine you needles. Know? I feel like that's one the I, Christmas Exactly.
0: Things. I got a black, I got a black plastic Christmas tree. It sits in the corner. We turn on the lights when, it, you know, the time gets close, you know. But so we put it on there, and it's just nice that, you know, he has that, but helping him understand, like, hey, if we ever go someplace with God Mommy, like, you know, she'll maybe be doing a book signing or something like this, and, you know, we'll need to do this, and, you know, if somebody wants to do something with her, you know, we have to be polite about it, but, we mm. you know, Navigating that whole scenario when you have somebody who you love and care about who um, experiences life in the public eye, it's
1: mm-hmm. a different
0: experience, you know? And, and so you just kinda go, Wow, like a lot of people don't get that. They're 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 just especially the whole press is incorrect thing. <laughs> you know. Uh, I did that, that actually, to me is wild. I can't I, ever get that.
1: I never really understood like how brands and publicists PR and news how to work until actually Miley Cyrus when I yeah. saw her and it sounds so weird because I'm usually not a fan but I'm, I'm loving her right now but once you released Flowers I was just like wait a minute like I forgot about you let me go back and like learn more about your story and what happened during Disney and she had this amazing point where she was like people thought I was crazy and doing all these weird things. Isn't it so funny? It happened right after I left Disney. And then yeah. I was just like, wow. Like, I've never thought about that connection of here are people just slamming you, making it sound ridiculous, when actually this was strategically planned, right? And here we are with this false narrative. I
0: never thought about that.
1: Um, but I really you like know, it's I, much especially, better. Especially,
0: oh, for sure. Yeah, no, she, she's so funny. I I had an email with her once um because she was making some comments about the word bisexual and she was Mm. like i really don't like this word i hate it call me pansexual call me anything but that um and so i emailed her and was like hey there's there's bi people in the world who you know they use that word to describe themselves i get if you don't but if you could not like make us all die that'd be great or something you know (laughs) just fyi fantastic for you labels are awesome um and then she, you know, I was like, here's some resources if you'd like to check it out. We're happy to do a call and do, you know, a workshop with you for free, just so you know more about the topic. And then I got the funniest email back because I sent it to the foundation email that she has. And yeah. I got an email back like five minutes later, and it was like <laughs> it was all Miley spelling. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Like lowercase I, uppercase W. Mm, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs>
1: Was all did she millennial. did she say yeah did she take your invitation
0: no she was like no thank you but I appreciate okay. you for emailing and I like hear what you're saying kind of like that just really quick yeah. and no no signature nothing like that but it was all cap all the capitals were all off <laughs> yeah the whole the whole thing <laughs> and I was like oh wow well you know God bless you you know she' moving on you know yeah. and I she did stop doing those specific statements and so I was very appreciative of that just because like hey people get made fun of and bullied enough. And I'm, that's not who Miley Cyrus is, right? So I just no. wanted to make sure she knew there are people out there because sometimes younger people don't know that there's a whole bunch of older folks who've been calling themselves this for like 100 years um, or over 100 years. The first term bisexual was used in the 1890s. So like it's been around for a second. Um, and also people don't know pansexual was also coined a year after the word bisexual. So pansexual and bisexual have been around since the 1890s um and the term homosexual was even older right so we know that these are terms we don't necessarily use anymore a lot of people call themselves bi they don't say bisexual right a lot of people call themselves pan or they call them no labels or whatever you know um but i i definitely think that she has there's a number of celebrities who utilize bisexuality or conversations around fluidity who have a subsequent rise in awareness that i find mm. interesting right? i am i'm just so thankful for this right you know i think you know we think about the
1: 90s i always think of like i mean look i was born in the 80s you know raised in the 90s and at the 90s like a good reminder to everybody was like it, it, you weren't really welcome to be gay or lesbian or by like this was not the time we it was not safe we're coming through the AIDS epidemic We're we're being ostracized left and right and so to hear the fact, and you're right, that there are a lot of celebrities and public figures being open about their sexual identity. Like, I'm yeah. like, I'll take it. I will take it.
0: And I think, we, honestly, we she's just living. She's honestly, if I look back and I look at it within the context of today, all the way, you know, to Flowers, because I was listening to that shit and I was like... That's right. I can love myself. I'll buy my own yeah. fucking flowers. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I was like, you got to hit there, girl. <laughs> That's real. I feel you. Um, and just knowing that she's got this evolution, I think she was really just living her life. Right. And And I think potentially, especially if you look at celebrity and understand that she had a celebrity father, mm. that she was probably influenced by the fact that she had that already. And so she's like, I'm just going to live my life. Right. Yeah. You might follow around. You might see these things about me, but I'm just, I love this person today. Years later, I'm with this person today, yeah. or I'm single, you know, she's just living her life and very, to me, very authentically, I think. Yeah. Um, and so it's in, I've loved the things I've seen with her with Dolly Parton. I was oh, going to sure. say, if
1: you're if your freaking godmother is Holly Parton and, like, so mm-hmm. open with you, did you hear that song with, I, I want to say, like, Rainbowland? I feel like that's the
0: title. I haven't heard it, but I heard about it. Yeah. Please listen no.
1: to it. Please listen to it. Because I think when you, when you talk about, like, when you think about what does it look like when you raise someone with love as an adult and continue supporting, yeah. like, what does it look like? I'm like, that's that story. And I really hope people really appreciate that because we have to acknowledge that.
0: Yeah, no, I think it is, and I, it's one of those things where I feel like has gone too far to a certain extent. In the sense that any communities that, um, and again, these are in my mind, when communities have access to large-scale privilege while also mm-hmm. experiencing a few levels of discrimination, they can leverage those large levels of class, wealth, privilege to eradicate that discrimination on behalf of themselves alone right so like subsequently let's say a women's in film let's get more women directors oh i don't know how it happened but only 95 percent of them are white right you know like, it's, we, it's, i'm it's like, like, like it's not even like close
1: to pride yet so i'm like why are we talking about like like the gray scary silver lining of our community because like that that is it's not that is true it's real,
0: about it i'm i i went to glad's website a while back and i noticed that they had changed it from years ago where they used to have pictures up of every person on staff and it was all on one page okay and now you can go and you can click individually and and look to see each person's profile right which limits you you'd have to go and click each person's profile to figure out that their staff is 90 percent white right (laughs) um and that uh, people have figured out ways to hide that information right that there are LGBT organizations that are majority white. That's just how they are. That's how they've always been. And they serve, they'll do what we're doing, black outreach. And usually what happens is they have one white person who has affinity with black folks to the point where we don't hate him as much as we hate everyone else, right? (laughs) Not that we really like him, but like, he's not super annoying. Like maybe he has a black cousin someplace or he knew somebody black or he's got a black partner, right? And then that white person becomes a head of diversity for or outreach for black folks for that lgbt group right and there are events that happen and people will think well black people are always doing stuff with you but really what's happening is black people are always being paid like a hundred dollars behind the scenes to come and then they give us the free food right mm-hmm. so really like it's just a total recreation of the bad system without us really knowing that that's happening do we you know, really I mean, want
1: to open the door about like diversity and inclusivity at in corporate America? Do we really want? Do you want that conversation? Because I, 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 mean, literally, uh, we I literally had a conversation this week. Like, we did yeah. have
0: a conversation. There was that girl from GamerGate, mm. Anna Sarcassian. She's been out there doing some talking, uh, but she she has a DA. She had a whole piece about how DEI is basically full of crap, and it's um being used by corporate america to sweep under the rug racial inequity and conflict um and that people who disagree are now being blanketed by dei and you know not and basically there's a real push for people to move away from dei to deib right that belonging is one word that needs to be added to this equation because ultimately everyone in the company wants to belong right And if we do talk about diversity without us all acknowledging we all want to belong, we separate people, right? They're trying to, I feel like they're trying to balance the cart, right? Because they see that this is not effective, right? So they're, okay, do DEIB, right? But ultimately the same situation is happening where the majority of the uh, firms that get hired to do DEI are white-owned or white-led with black employees, right? It's just, this is how it is. So why would we use something where that is not good and not like equal and not equitable to teach you about equity? Right. And then therefore wouldn't those equity conversations be, you know, really ineffective slash, you know, harmful. So I don't know if I agree. I
1: mean, I actually, I value D and I, I actually think it's something that is necessary, but there are, here are my qualms related to it. Right. And this is someone who's been in like the tech space for dozen plus, as like yeah. entry to management to executive. Like, I've seen this. And the way that I think about it is number one, I don't think CEOs, I don't think senior executives actually know what diversity and means. mean. So you can hire a person to work on it and focus on it. But if they don't understand the intentions, the metrics for success, it's absolutely useless because it's like, here's a really important thing and you have no idea how to handle it. So what happens in those cases, you get rid of it. <laughs> right? Yes, or you, you yes. don't even know how to hire for it or even support it or not even give money for it, right? I yes. think the second piece I cannot stand is that, you know, for a lot of d initiatives, we talk about, well, let's bring these employee resource groups. Let's bring these things in, bring our, you know, our our workers to really champion and advocate for being parents or women or queer or whatever they want to talk about. But then it becomes cool. We're not going to give you money. Um, or more importantly, when you're like a chair running these things, it's not a part of your performance review. We're not mm-hmm. saying like, hey, you're spending five hours to figure out who can you beg to come speak for your event for free or trying to create these, these safe spaces for dialogue and so forth. When we're they're not being recognized for that, it's useless. Some systems do do that, though. Like, I know Amazon has a structure where you, if you want to go up the ladder, like, you have to prove that you're a part of, like, the cultural, like, investment and development of the company. So some people do that. But a lot of people don't. And so I see yeah. a lot of, like, I've always seen a lot of queer POC women across the board doing these amazing things. They're not being promoted. They're being told, hey, you're spending all this time doing these fun things, these extracurricular things that you're not focusing on your task on hand, except we need them,
0: right? No, that's, I, it's, I would say that that's just how it is since yeah. going mm-hmm. back to me being a small kid, right? To the point that, mm-hmm. I was thinking about a conversation I had uh, many years ago, 2001, probably, um, with uh, Sylvia Rivera, who was a trans icon. Oh, yeah.
1: (laughs) Talk about that. What? (laughs) I know. How did that
0: work? Oops, I just was like, what is I was thinking? I was like, I wonder all these people I've talked to. And I was thinking, oh, remember that Sylvia I talked to and, and she's trans and she was an icon. And I was like, oh shit, that was mm. Sylvia Rivera. You know, um, and I remember I was calling around because I was, I was doing an article um, for an LGBT newspaper at UCLA as a student. Um, and I was doing an article about trans rights and trans America and, and what they're fighting for. And so I ended up getting a cover story Um, Because I had an article with a wonderful activist named Shirley Bushnell, who uh, helped start Transgender Menace and was fighting for the rights of trans people to not be murdered, to not be beaten up by police, to not be arrested, just for being transgender. Mm -hmm. And um, so when I talked to her, she was like, kind of like, well, are you, what are you? And I was like, I don't know. I just, I don't know. Gender's fun." Like, I was very, like, you know, a lot of people see me as a black woman, but I also see myself as a little bit more expansive than that, you know, and... She was very like, you should talk to more trans people. And I also said, you know, I'm bi. She's like, oh, you got to mm-hmm. talk to bisexuals. So she kind of surely was telling me, oh, make sure you talk to these people. So I'd write down who she told me to talk to. And I'd go find them on Facebook or the using the Internet. I'd find their phone number and I say, hey, you know, Shirley Bushnell, was, I was interviewing her for this piece. You know, can I talk to you? And that's part of how I started learning more about the bi community and nationally was that I connected with some New York LGBT activists mm. who connected me to um brenda howard's people who was very influential in the bi community in new york and she helped start uh pride and was part of the stonewall rebellion um and so somewhere in that line i ended up with sylvia Uh, but sylvia didn't want to be interviewed and and she was latina and she was like i don't want no i'm not uh -uh, don't put my name down and i was very like why wouldn't she want to be interviewed i couldn't understand this (laughs) And now I completely get it. (laughs) Well, 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 why
1: didn't she want to be interviewed? Like, why does she want her name on? it? Because it was
0: UCLA, right? Because it's UCLA, because it's unpaid, right? I was a student uh, because, you know, she's a historical icon who's been mistreated by the LGBT community. Right? So she did not want nothing to do with this, but she was like, I want to talk to you mm said So you're black? I said, Yeah. She says, You know Monica? I didn't know Monica at that point. So I'm I was gonna say from- I was like, you know Monica. I was like, wait a minute. I, I, a that. I had known I had known of her and had emailed yeah. at one point maybe in ninety nine or something like this, but you know, Got not it. really a whole bunch. So I was like, okay, okay, so I'm getting from Sylvia this list of people, and she's like, and don't fuck with this person, and don't fuck with this person, don't fuck with this person, right? yeah. I'm like, oh, I, I'm noting this, Sylvia. <laughs> and she like, the, all basically, the white LGBT people are evil, right? That these people have destroyed me, that this is terrible, like, they're after us, right? Yeah. So I came up from, like, 99, 2000, every black or Latino LGBT person I spoke with had the most traumatic stories, Mm -hmm. Right. The most traumatic stories, like one of them, one of them had told me, somebody else told me that, you know, the rainbow pride flag was actually sewn and crafted by black and brown people who had a sworn by the white guy. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Right. That this is the true history of almost every LGBT anything, that most of it was done by black people, by brown folks, by Asian people. And that ultimately the, especially with HIV epidemic, it wiped out a lot of that ownership, right? That 60s and 70s, a lot of those people passed away. Um, And so kind of left, like the wealthiest, the folks with the most access to medicine, the folks with the most access to safety, that those people became the leaders of LGBT America. Mm. Um, And so I do think that that's part of what I see today is that the wealth class leading of how this is working is very much like, you're going to accept me. Yeah. You you will take me. It doesn't matter. And it's like, as a black person, I don't really do that. You don't want me around. I wouldn't want to be there.
1: You know, actually, this is this is I I love how you're sharing about like the fact that you're told, okay, you need to talk to these people. You need to understand where they're coming from and they'll connect you to who you should do. Because I actually I actually had a conversation recently where uh, a CEO literally asked me, like, how do I hire leaders who support diversity, inclusivity? And I literally said, you know what, I actually, because he was like, I'm talking to candidates and a lot of them happen to be white males. My last company really, really had a diversity challenge. You can tell that we just, were inclusive. So what do we do to fix this? And I was like, look, don't worry about the person, find the person who can do the job. Like that is your core function for your business. That's what you need to do. But then I was like, push on this person, literally ask them, like, have you worked with a diverse workforce, mm-hmm. right? Like I have worked with so many people from like in the States, out of States, mothers, Black people, women, queer people. Like, I have worked across the spectrum, but that's also allowed me to realize and learn like people are different and people have different needs and you have to make sure you can satisfy that, right? So I was like, tell these people, like have you worked with a diverse group of people? Cool, check market, awesome. Let's talk about like, who do you promote? Who do you mentor? Who do you actively still support to this day, right? Because right. if you're telling me that you don't actively support women, POCs, immigrants, all these things that tell me, cool, then you really don't care. You're not actively trying to propel them and provide for them. You're just existing, right? And then the third piece, I was like, you should be asking them, like, you know, I think any type of executive or leader typically, you know, is asked to be involved in the ERG and so forth. I'm like, cool. What did they do? Did it just be like, Hey, here's a movie, watch this. Or were they pulling in speakers? Were they doing fundraisers? Were they, you know, supporting protests, right? And I think at the end of the day, like, people just don't know how to do that shit. And I'm like, yeah, call it out. Don't hire them. Because if they don't know how to do that, they're never going to know how to do that. Because, again, if we don't give them those resources
0: and trainings and they take it seriously, we're never going to have diversity and inclusivity at work. I don't think we will through that model be just because the math doesn't add up. What does that mean? Um, There was a lady um, a while back, a, a person, I should say, and uh, named Piper Heron, Dr. Piper Heron. Black mathematician, liberated mathematician, wrote a blog post maybe 2013 about uh, May 2014 about, hey, I'm a math professor and I'm Black, I'm female, I'm queer, and I have a hard time getting a role. So you know just looking at this from a mathematics perspective, what can we do in the mathematics world to make it easier to increase diversity? So Piper analyzed the situation from a mathematical perspective and found the easiest way for us to get diversity to be like really solid, would be for every white man who currently is in work to give up his next promotion, right? That if that happened, <laughs> right. What? <laughs> well, it's, it's not worked thing. off, it's just being like, don't promote, that's crazy. I'm saying that there's so such a consistency, right? That that's how this works, right? So it doesn't matter how many black people or brown people or native people you add to, this, to the, the numbers, if you're not decreasing the number of white promotions right Mm -hmm. and it's not to say that we every white and the other way piper put it was like we don't have to do this all the time we just need if every white guy did this once it would be enough right just numbers wise right that all the communities that exist out there if we did things very very small steps right, that that would increase and then we'd be able to analyze what did that affect, right, how did that impact versus kind of what's happening, which is we're going to keep everybody white guy and we're going to add to it. And then guess what? Those people we add aren't going to be able to mix in because that's not how it works. Assimilation isn't real, right? We're not the Borg.
1: That's so, <laughs> This is so weird to me because my hypothesis has always been about like, you know, we can bring in you know, Black, POC, women, we can bring these marginalized groups into the companies. And I feel like there's been fair attempts, but the problem is that they can't keep us because they usually fire us or we're going to be treated so terribly that we're going to leave. And I think about all these like major layoffs happening across like thing, right? Facebook or Meta, like Apple, Microsoft, so forth. And I'm just like, yeah, you're getting rid of all the POCs and women again. I'm like, are you you sure this is what you want to do? Because that is systematic. That is Oh, that I is,
0: definitely, and it's just, it's I, not I, I mean, it feels so like this is the way the world works. Like, hey, if you didn't know this is how this happens, then look at the 1950s and the union movements and how black people were disenfranchised by the closing of factories and replacing with automation. And now black people who were getting support, mm. quote unquote, to unionize now are out of their jobs because those unions have helped uh, automate the industries. FYI. Okay, 1960s, right? We have a whole bunch of social justice stuff, right? We have a whole bunch of things. We're gonna get a whole bunch of black people to be able to go to college, but the colleges they go to won't treat them well, won't allow them to graduate. Now we have a generation of people who have student debt, right? So all these different fixes, I would argue are not fixes at all, but things that uh, incur more problems for more people. So instead of the brightest and most beautiful and boldest and most capable people of color, Um, working in their own communities or building their own companies, they are going to white-led organizations and tech companies and others seeking support and long-term engagement in a way that doesn't functionally exist. And that allows those uh, organizations to perform and showcase that diversity in a tokenizing manner, right? It's like, really, we're we're 28% diverse, but I want to know, how often does that 20 percent of your of your employment population turn over yeah because if it's 90 percent then it's real interesting that you're just hiring black people and then firing them and then hiring new black people and then firing them right um
1: and that's why i I struggle with the letter b edition where it's like is belonging the core thing i'm just like inclusivity always tells me that like you are like, you are a part of this, right? Like, you belong here. Like, do we really need a B tree minus that core mission?
0: I think the B is probably a statement of saying, hey, belonging is something, again, that can belong to a white guy as much as it can belong to a black woman, right? Mm-hmm. Where mm-hmm. inclusivity is something that is more strategically about, hey, we haven't had places that are inclusive of black women, like we have had places that are inclusive of white men right? We haven't had equity for black women, the levels that we've had for white men in this Mm -hmm. country, right? Um, And diversity as well, right? We're belonging is I feel a way for them to articulate that everyone in the company, including the folks who have not experienced discrimination, or not experienced discrimination have a role to play, which if they had started that way from the beginning, would I feel it could have been far more successful. (laughs) Uh, But ultimately, it's going to come down to that mathematical situation where people have to give up or die. Right. Um, and I think people are kind of pushing towards like, let's just get rid of whiteness. Let's get rid of white guys. Let's not hire them. Let's not let them in the door. We'll figure out how to isolate them. And I'm like, mathematically, that doesn't make sense. Like, you literally have to get them to agree to this. Like, we have to get the white man. To feel like this is a great thing like yo I would love to live in a world where I'm just as awesome as you and you're just as awesome as me and isn't that amazing and like you awesome dude like we're all on the same page of how cool that is right that means we have to literally how do you get. (laughs) <laughs> that population to want to do this. And I, I'm saying, I don't think yelling at them is going to help. We talked about this earlier,
1: anger doesn't lead to anything good, right? Like You, you just can't yell
0: right. and be like, take this out of the truth, right? I think that's the interesting thing of can we get folks to be really excited about their own cultures, right, about the cultures they're excited about, and then have them realize that their privilege means that they have a place to give. Right? Instead of donating money, again, put your promotion up, right? Instead of trying to hire more black people to work under you, you know, diversify, figure out a way for a black person to work at the same level as you, mm. right? Mm. I think that that's, that's the thing that really is important because I think a lot of people are leaning into a really strong tokenization appropriation cycle. Yeah. Of my, yeah. my role is to bring more black people in and then they can suffer like I do. Right. Like, that's not what we want. Right. We want everybody to have a really good time in the workplace. And I think that a lot of what happened with the layoffs is, yeah, representative of how it made people feel right. Um, and then also the companies themselves can't afford this anymore because they lost a huge amount of their users because of how those users felt about their politics, how those users felt about their engagement or how their about the health of their platforms. Right. Oh, I don't want my kids on Instagram anymore. You know, I want, you know, I want them to be safer, you know. So we're seeing people say, hey, I'm going to respond to your lack of work or progress on this issue. Like, if you're not going to put safety in installments for my kid, I'm going to make sure they can't use this. Right. And I I agree with that. I really tell people, I'm like, you know, I would my kid is not on social media and (laughs) they are not on, um, you know, the Internet unsupervised. Right they if they use their tablet, they know, like, I check their tablet usage. And if I saw something of them being on Chrome, I say, why are we on Chrome? Why are we mm. using a browser? <laughs> right? So I have I have 11 year old now. Um, but you know, so it's kind of he's little, but I, I just think that unsupervised internet activity is really can be really bad, really quickly.
1: Yeah, You know, as a non-parent, but friends to a lot of parents, you know, one thing I, I I never judge parents in terms of what they want to do. Like, that's just not my space. But to your point, like, as someone who's been in this space for a really long time, it's so creepy to me just because the things that, like, we just show people, like, you think about, like, Instagram or TikTok, and that's the most relevant topic nowadays. Like, the things that we show, there is an algorithm in terms of what we're trying to do. We want you to be addicted. We want you to constantly see things The thing that scares me for kids, but I also get scared about adults is, you don't know what you're seeing is actually true or not. You're not seeing, is this staged? You're not understanding Did someone actually get hurt by this. Did someone just like get violated by this, right? And so that feeling of not knowing is so scary because that's the whole thing about like Twitter, right? Like what's true, what's not true, like all that stuff. It's the same thing for all this curated media. You don't know, you don't know.
0: No, even with the AI, you know, there's they say the AI hallucinates or, you know, has incorrect information at times, yeah, and, and I've yeah. seen that. If you you test it, you, you can get information that's incorrect. You say, "Are you sure about that?" Yeah, it goes, yep. "Oh, you're right. I was wrong," right? And so, you know, it's not <laughs> and I, and infallible.
1: I, and I think that's what I love about just our world, which is the fact that everyone has an opinion. Every the truth is subjective. I feel like we have a lot of that. What I hate. Is a fact that we're being told or being advertised that Angela are being given through AI or through me or whatever that that is the truth? Yeah. That's what I get really worried about because the idea is that how to figure it out? Well, it's going to go through like SEO. It's going to go through what are the top searches? I want to summarize that shit. So, congratulations, the person who's paying for SEO for the top ten spots and can say whatever exactly. they want will now be taken as truth, and that's it. And that's that's crazy to me because who can not think that way?
0: If we all are engaged with the AI, especially now, like the chat GPT stuff is at like 100 million users, right? So if it was like at like 300, 400 million users, like we're going to start to really influence that development of that own machine, right? right? Our engagement with it, right? And I think that can change the fact that it's based off of codexes that are not as diverse. I mean, I can't, I promise you that they didn't do anything. Like, we're going to make sure. I know that they use Twitter, which does have a pretty healthy black Twitter situation, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And other type of data that they scraped from socials. So I do think that there's – it's not all white content, right, if that makes sense. But how much of it was like, hey, make sure you get everything that's diversity. Make sure everything that represents the cultural people of this country is represented in this AI. I don't see that people think that way um, in general, right? They're not looking like that.
1: I have a, the stupidest story about this. Like, I have yeah. a friend who's recently <laughs> vegan, and he he uses chat GPT everything, which is totally fine. But he was just like, oh, hey, Jason, can you show me this, like, here's three recipes for, like, a, a Cuban bean stew. And he's like, can you look at this and tell me, does it look right to you? Right? And I was literally looking at this, and I was looking at the breakdown, and I was just like, buddy, like, what makes this Cuban? Is it because they add cumin in this? Like, I literally have to be, like, how, like, this is a great bean soup, but, like, I don't understand, like, what made it human to begin with and is that the same player profile right and so me having to point out the fact that something doesn't sound right and I think that's the whole point right like if things are being mislabeled if things are being misappropriated this is like wait a minute like I'd be
0: offended if someone told me that was supposed to be like my heritage's food when it's completely wrong oh my gosh yeah no I think it's really important for people to know I mean there's you know, I, I'm grateful that we're seeing these new content pieces for Asian American, like native people, you know, reservation dogs, great TV show on Hulu. I love my show. Yeah. Really, you know, super, you know, I was really excited. I took my kid to the powwow near us and we got some fry bread and then we came home and watched a little of that. And he was like, this isn't really for kids. And I was like, no, it's not. But I want you to see a little bit <laughs> of what these kids are, what they're like and how fun they are and how cool you know, they are just, and they're surviving the things that they do every single day, yeah. just growing up without the same resources, but bigger, even bigger dreams. Right. Um, and I think and, that it's amazing to see that because we don't really yeah. get that every day. But if more people go, oh, wow, I really enjoy that. And I feel like this last season of Reservation Dogs, they had a, like some SNL people that guest star. They had a whole bunch of really famous guest stars in there. So I was like, oh, this is really cool. Like, I hope that's leading to more people seeing this I and mean, be like, oh, what's-her-name is on this? Like, I think Molly Shannon or something, right? Like, people who are on the show, they're guesting on this. Like, that, I should watch this. And they should, because it's hilarious. It's, like, one of the funniest things. And that's what I really wish that we had more
1: involvement from, right? When, when you are a guardian parent and you're the one, like, not necessarily safeguarding, but giving context. To give context terms of why are we watching this? Why is this important? Yeah. This thing's not true, or hey, here's another really cool tidbit, right? And I think having that is so critical because again, if we're just trusting the internet or whatever to do this for us, it's not gonna go well.
0: And these well, are we talking about does. Yeah, we were talking about the Bailey girls, you know, with the little mermaid. The other mm. one is Chloe, the one who's not in Little Mermaid. Her sister is Chloe, and she was in a movie that I had Storm watch. She was like, so you're forcing me to watch this. I was like, I'm forcing you to watch this. (laughs) And it's called Praise That. It was about a black gospel Mm -hmm. praise team. And the Chloe Bailey girl was the lead, but she was a bit of a sinner girl. And she was Mm -hmm. going to church with her cousin. And now she's loving God again. you know. And they had Quavo from the Migos in there. He's like a rapper guy with some some, some grill teeth, diamond teeth. Um <laughs> Yeah, but then they was all praising God and a whole bunch of church people was there. And you know, I don't really take my son to church or to a black church or any church, you know, so I was kinda like I've told him I felt like I went enough for the both of us, you know, (laughs) as a kid, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But I kind of wanted him to see like, hey, here's part of black culture, right? Black church, right? What that's like when people get up and sing and what it's like when somebody feels the spirit or what it's like to really be Christian and be black and and be excited about that. You know, how people wear the hats to church and there's all those big pieces of culture to it. Um, And then this ended up being a little bit salacious and was like, this is not for kids. I was like, maybe not. Um, (laughs) I was like, y'all mix the gospel with some dirty dancing. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. But (laughs) I thought, oh, look. But, you know, they they kept it fairly clean for the most part. Um, But it was, I felt, accessible for a younger audience, right? That people are singing about God, but they're, you know, swaying around, they're dancing a little bit, a little twerking, twerking for Jesus, you know. Um, and I was like, you know, in reality, that's probably what's happening for young black people, where they're dancing and having a good time, but they believe in God, right? Mm. Um, and there would be some people who don't get that and don't understand that within a cultural context. Like, yo, that that's something cool. Like, we appreciate that. That's how we are making this be for the young people. Right. And that even if you go to a certain black things, you'll see older black people getting down as well. Right. That this is <laughs> something that black people do. We dance and we dance a little provocatively just in general, wow. um, especially when we're together with family or others. It's not a sexual thing. Also, it's more of just like shake your body, get your thing moving everything's moving. This is how you dance. Right. Um, And a lot of times it's also influenced by African traditions, you know, that have been carried down that we don't even realize that we're doing these type of dances that are related to, you know, where our ancestors have come from. Uh, But, you know, I wanted Storm to see it, but, you know, he was very like, I don't know, mom. (laughs) And I was like, it's true. Like, we, you know, I'm going to try to do a little bit more hip hop and rap education with him so that he, like, understands the basics and, you know, knows who's who. And, you know, like, he knows I listen to a lot of Tupac. And then I think he's just this amazing artist and poet. Um, but there's not a lot of other people I've listened to. You know, he definitely knows i see seen Beyonce and stuff. But a lot of times, you know, anything that has swearing in it, I wasn't listening to. And so now he's getting to be a little older. I'm like, okay, I think it's time where we can put on some music that has some swearing in it or wow. has some bleeps. And, you know, and also make sure that he's comfortable. Right? that's what i told him i was like it's more just like you'd be comfortable if you go someplace with black people you're not like what is going on like, like, and like what are you all doing you know um like a white person would and that if you're biracial you want your kid to be able to have the ability to you know be like storm is to be he's white he's black and he should be able to get along with both sides of the family and be able to dance at the family reunion just yeah. like he can you know Play Scrabble at his as dad's people. I mean, it will be stereotypical, but that's literally what they do. <laughs> so like, <laughs> I've been to their house. These white people play Scrabble, right? They play you are, games. You are
1: being you are being ridiculous. You know? I'm being
0: stereotypical, but it's true. They actually do. They literally play games. So like, <laughs> he can do that really well, I'm sure. But he can. All, I really want him to be able to, you know, dance and come and be able, you know, be social within a black community space.
1: I thinking about Disney and kids and blackness. You know, something that this reminds me of is recently I've been seeing on social media about how so Disney has this series called Descendants. Essentially, it's about like you know yeah. villains and their kids, and the kids actually don't want to become bad people. They want to be good guys, right? kind of that yeah, story. Yeah, yeah. And the so fourth one's coming out, and then there's pictures of cinderella being brandy right black and yeah. then the prince being you know asian uh you know asian and i remember people just being like what's going on like why do we have a black cinderella and i'm like whoa, whoa, whoa folks like way back in the day like this was real brandy will always be known as being cinderella we had whitney houston being you know the fairy godmother and you know i really hope people can have a conversation of being like oh this is not one of those repeat like you know you no, thinking about
0: uh, the Little Mermaid, actually, this is, it is this it's, is it's huge. A, it's a, it's a. I think it's also a way to exemplify, if that's a word, the way this trend has worked throughout history, right? And how unfortunate it is, again, right? Because where is Whitney? She's dead, right? right. <laughs> you know, whereas where has Brandy been? Not anywhere, not really. She hasn't been working the way she should have been working. Right. So you have people who did things like this, especially folks who did remade white content, didn't do as well as other black people who did not do that. Mm. Right. And then now we do it again and they're going to have the same outcome as my expectation. Right. In the sense that we're going to see people not respond negatively to these remakes because they have initially seen them be white people. And then also, I think it's a little deeper that there's a human sense to things that people, um, kind of in some uh, based off some data I, I saw once about uh, the sick feeling that heterosexual men can have when they see gay sex, mm. that they can have a physical virulence. That's also something that they've now studied in gay men that when gay men see heterosexual sex, they have a, a revulsion, right? It's like, oh, that's so gross. There's something, There's it's like innate part of us That who you are is who you are and what you're into is what you're into, right? Mm -hmm. And so part of me wonders if that there's a, a dissonance, a dysmorphia, something that happens when people see a white character now being black, that it's not actually racism. It's why aren't we talking about you, right? And why do we take what was mine to be yours, right? And that ultimately that's also saying to people, it's not fair. They recognize it's not fair. Either it's not fair for them to like lose nostalgia or it's not fair also for black people to always be white people, right? Or Brown people to always, let me remake this or make West side story again. And we're going to have Latinas and they're going to win Oscars and that's going to go over really well. And then guess what? Those people, their odds of them working again, I feel are lower because in their own communities, they're ostracized right so you can be whoever you want with these white people but when they let you go black people is not gonna pick you up they not they're not gonna support you like they will support all these other people who stuck with their own communities who did content that was specific to us like it's not a celebratory thing that you're the first black cinderella
1: and this is what i absolutely hate because when we talked about originally the topic about celebrity them right like we're looking at people who are supposed to be masters of all these art forms when we see that we get excited we get inspired right and so now going to these conversations now then what's the message that we're telling our kids right do we tell them hey you can't do this because your career is going to be screwed or hey you can't do this because the opportunities are going to be there i feel like it's such it's such a double-edged situation now where it's like we want to see things but we're telling them they can't like participate because they're gonna be ostracized from everybody like I want to push
0: them. I want to push them to do their own content, right? Mm -hmm. This is what works for people who are white men, right, is to get content and and nurture it and pay for it and support it and work in an independent fashion. Thinking like somebody like Matthew McConaughey, who, by the way, Mm -hmm. has a great upcoming seminar for free called The Art of Living and is really doing some stuff as far as how can he help people in America and otherwise just feel better about life right? Like, how can he give back and, and do in a way that's really powerful? And I'm, I'm very supportive of us, so, you know, because I'm like, you know, you a white man for sure, Matthew, but, <laughs> but you try and you know, you try to help everyone. And why not? Right? And what would stop you from being a successful person who would do that? So I, I do think what happens a lot of times is that black people are kind of shown that this is the way forward or this is the way and the way is to lead be led by white people, right? Wouldn't mm-hmm. it be great if you guys did this, right? Whereas if you ask that Black person, most likely they have five, ten different things they want to do, right? They already have things that they want to do, but what's going on is they're not being greenlit, right? The producers and the companies are not going, yes, I'll take your story about a Black hip-hop genius who plays chess and then also dances on the side on the street, right? Like, you know, like stories that could be super, like, wonderful. Everybody go, oh, wow, I remember something like that, but never from that tale, you know? Instead, it's take that person who could dance and do a remake of a white, you know, Fred Astaire movie. God forbid that becomes true, but but, you know,
1: like Singing in the Rain,
0: you know, every like we redo all these things. And part of me is also saying that when people do that, they're trying to exercise. They're trying to get rid of a collective memory of harm. That by doing so, continues the harm. Right? It's it's just reinventing that way that we're harming communities of color.
1: So, you know, something that, you know, I, I feel like I have to coursework myself on because, you know, originally I was just mentioning how I really, I, I'm not sure how I feel about influencers and content creators now as opposed to like the celebrity that we had in the past. Maybe that's the problem that I'm not realizing, which is if we want to encourage POCs and other minorities to, to be successful in these spaces, we have to encourage them to create their own content. And yeah. the, the world that we live in now, you just gotta have a smartphone, right? You can do a TikTok, you can do a YouTube series, you can do a podcast, you can do whatever you want. And, you know, maybe that's the whole point, the fact that people now have freedom to be themselves on these platforms, being successful or not, the whole intention is at least they have that stage. And if the reality it's, keeps You it, gotta know how to
0: take it. care of yourself. You know, I had read a, a fortunate story about a guy who was working on the, um, like, he did a, a, he did a YouTube show with his friends, all of them just for free, just for fun. It was like a parody of uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, and it oh. went really viral. Um, and so the people, the guy who was the lead star of it, was asked to come out to L.A. and work on a show to make it from a YouTube show into a real show. So this guy, he played, like, the best friend, Jazzy Jeff. He played that, like, character. And so he came out to L.A., he sent an article, and he didn't ask for any money. He just started working for free. He was doing everything he could to help the show. The show goes on. He doesn't have a credit. He doesn't have a check. He gets nothing. He just goes back home. And so he was like, I just want to give you an example. Like, this is what's really happening under all this diversity stuff that, like, they literally pushed out this content for Black History Month. They're doing all this stuff. But in real life, I'm a Black person who didn't get paid a dime for my intellectual property, for my jokes, for myself, Mm -hmm. for my presence, right? And the person who brought him on was like his really good friend who did get paid, but was like, I'm sorry. I'm like, they told me I'm the only one. They can't pay us all. Right. And so that's just kind of what it is. It's very much a system of we're going to separate that creator. Now that creator has that legacy of, hey, your friend, your former friend has come out and said these things about you. Yeah. And you're going to go forward in your career being that type of black person, (laughs) you know, Um, and I've heard the same story, you know, for Shonda Rhimes. There's been black people who I've known who've uh, felt disappointed about how she treated them. And a lot of Black creators, unfortunately, at the highest level have that type of reputation of not being supportive of Black people themselves. So, right? so it sounds like then that's like the next step, right? So it's not just about telling
1: people, hey, create your own stories." actually also, we need to educate you, we have to protect you so you know how to take care of yourself so you can be successful in these spaces. Yeah.
0: And I would say, you know, if anybody's listening who's a Black person in film or whatever, you know, I'm part of a great group called Black Screenwriters on Facebook and, you know, it's got thousands of people. Uh, the people there are really supportive of each other. Uh, Guy Craig, it uh, was like Craig Williams, is, like helps run it. Admin is mm-hmm. just like, I've, he's been working for years. He's on a show now, but he's literally been, you know, striving and hustling to get, to get it. And then, hey, turn around and make sure other people. And they're really like active about like, if somebody comes in there like, hey, I'll pay you. You can pay me $500. They're like, a whole bunch of us will do that for free. For, yeah. for, for us you know and so they're very active in trying to help people like build and the story is often said of other black folks who come in there like oh another black person told me we're going to build together we're going to make all this stuff and then they ran off with it without me and so a lot of things we talk about are like how to protect yourself like how to get yeah. stuff copy- copyright like how to get with a wga like uh, official like all yeah. this kind of stuff so i'm like that's act like i'm like good for you you know like you guys we're actively helping each other but we're also going i'm helping me yeah. right and when that's i feel like that's probably the most successful way to do diversity is when we can identify the benefit to each community yeah right? and i and i think the same idea in terms of like how does we survive, you survive
1: now, know dei in the corporate world the reality is like you need to learn how to protect yourself you need to understand how do politics work you need to understand workers rights you have to stand like what other the confines that you live in so then you know how to be successful but also advocate and support other people too i think maybe that's the whole what, of is the
0: good, what is that what is that about right and why yeah. should you do that like i tell people it's gonna make you feel good right but we also see that societies and corporations and companies largely benefit from that success yeah. right that having more ideas and more ways to do it is actually functionally a way you can do things right yeah. so i do think that a lot of times people Dismiss diversity is kind of like a a fancy word for we're just going to make sure we don't hate Black people. Um, (laughs) And then other people take it to mean, well, we're going to make sure we talk about Black people but never have them in the room, right? Um, And so I I really do think that there's been a loss in some ways of having so many practitioners who are not Black who are like, I'm here to represent what the Black experience is, right? And the fact that that started happening and never got checked to me is like a huge issue same thing with white people and the white people you know the native people are really taking down these white folks who are out there like i'm a black i'm a person speaking on native things with my native ancestry and if they find out you ain't got no native ancestry you go on the list the pretendians they come after you you know and i'm like we should be doing that for everybody is there white people who do asian art culture shit like why are you doing it (laughs) like
1: Wait, are you telling me that by Google pretendians, like, I'm going to literally find what you're sharing? Because that is an amazing word.
0: Yeah, pretendians, it's a list that was made by a Native author who, at, at one point, you know, was trying to sell something and was told, no, we can't buy this, somebody else is buying, we're buying this other thing, goes and finds out the other thing that's being bought is by a person who's pretending to be a Native American um and then starts writing a blog about pretendians and the fact that there's all these white people who are like my great grandmother was cherokee but they have no evidence of that and they don't know that it could be family myth or lore but they have no enrollment papers they have no you know way to show that they're truly native american so the most famous was probably you know elizabeth warren who said for for many years that she had cherokee heritage and then eventually kind of apologized because you know she had taken a car and said she was cherokee and She'd been part of Native American stuff in law school. And should a person who doesn't know that ancestry well or have any real evidence of it, you know, really say that they are and take space that belongs to Native people, you know? I uh, want more people s- to know
1: that there literally is a Wikipedia article about this. Uh, and that literally, there literally is a list of various figures that like talk about And there's about, some pushback. Like,
0: there's some pushback on this. There's some people who say this is harassment of people who don't have the same family structures and the fam- same access to, to knowledge. Um, and so that that's this right. can actually yeah. be kind of a way of shaming people that's not appropriate. But I do find that I think that the argument is the strongest when we're talking about folks who have identified themselves as having Native ancestry um, and then they're teaching right, and they're professors of Native American history or art, that that is egregious, right, that that's really a bad thing for us to have folks who are not Native American who say they're Native American who then are teaching that content when a Native American person should be teaching that information. You know, this is
1: just a good example of like, this is what people do when they're angry. (laughs) I know. I I think that
0: it's one of these things where part of it's like, hey, we need to have white history. Right. I don't maybe not call it that. We call it European history. We call it Western history, but have European history, have Native American history, have it all. Right. Because the minute you just start skipping over people and just deleting stuff, I mean, we're not going to talk about that. That's the minute these people start pretending <laughs> like, they, They're All of a sudden, you know, there was one lady who got caught. She was she was working with the Quakers of all people. Mm. She's working at the national level to Quakers. And she had adopted. um a status of, as a woman of color. And her mother was really embarrassed because her family is white and they don't know why she started telling people that she wasn't white. And then she eventually had to apologize because she's like, no, I have misrepresented myself as a queer woman of color. And, you know, I think she may be queer, but she's not a woman of color. She's been tanning and wearing a headscarf to see, so people couldn't see her white hair. But she really was white. Like officially white, and like pictures were found of her as a child looking really pale skin. So mm-hmm. she either started contouring or tanning or something to make herself look darker, and then just affected that you know had that impact and was doing all this stuff for women's rights and I'm a woman of color, all this type of stuff. And so I do see that I feel like that's unfortunately way too often that something is happening that white people are passing as other colors, and again taking spaces that would be for people of color to be articulate their own community space. And then often being much harsher about white people because they're like, well, that's what a person of color would do. Right. <laughs> so like, I just find it to be really unhelpful for everyone to have people who are pretending to be, um, a person of color to say, you know, and then even also people who say, well, I've transitioned, you know, I've decided I'm going to be a black woman and, you know, you can't stop me. and I'm, I'm a black woman. I feel like I'm black you know, just call me, think of me as a black person. you're like, you're white. And like, but I was raised black, you know, I'm black in my soul. Like, you know, it's like, well, you're not black with your credit score. You know, you're not you're not black with your housing application. Because I swear to God, those people, you go check, they're fucking, that's just checked white. On their driver's license, always checked white, right? <laughs> when they go into spaces where it's beneficial, I feel like that's when they're like, I'm now... Going you know, to identify with this part of my cultural ancestry that goes back eight generations, but meanwhile in real life they you know they're white. I feel like
1: it's such a hard it's it's a scary thought and feeling to me to have someone say I have a cultural identity vacuum. I have something that is just that just lacks anything that I am soul seeking for something else to come into that space and embrace right, it and yeah. love it. Cause I feel like it's like imagine being so alone and still lost that like you you yeah. need something, you find something, and it's just like, I love the fact that you're an advocate. I love the fact that you're being loud and championing things, but it's it doesn't make sense when it's under the wrong banner, right? It's it's not the same thing. But I feel so empathetic for the fact of being so lost and so lonely that you need it. Like that is a scary feeling. I would look at upon nobody.
0: No, and I think that that's a lot of times, unfortunately, what's going on is that people, because mm-hmm. they're not being told that they're awesome just for being white. Yeah. And what does that mean? I tell people, I don't really think of you as white. I think of you, right? Like, aren't you German or something? And they'll be like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm Italian this. I'm like, yeah, those people are cool. Like, right? But the concept of whiteness, I think is very destructive, right? Um, and so it helps people. Th- it, it basically destroys the spirit is what I guess I'm saying. And that, dis- that spirit destruction leads to these type of vacuums, right? When yeah. it would be, I think, far more efficient for us to be like, there are good white people, there are bad white people. Like, you now have an opportunity to choose who you're going to be, right? Yeah. And here's some great examples of amazing Italians, and here's some ones that we maybe are not huge fans of, right? Like, you know, here's some great examples of Germans who did stuff, right? And I also think that's also because people don't know Black history, they don't know African history, they don't know Native American history, So because you don't know these histories, you don't know that there's conflicts and wars amongst these populations, that has nothing to do with white people. So conflict is not whiteness itself, right? Conflict is a a construct that exists in all communities, regardless of who we are. Mm. But it, it makes it a lot easier and friendlier maybe, and maybe it's palatable, it makes you feel more comfortable to be like, yeah, it's just one group of people, that's all we have to worry about, and then we'll be done. It's like, LOL. <laughs> like, it's, it's, so inter-
1: it's so interesting that you talk about like, you know, celebrate your heritage, but I'm also like, it's cool if you're also just white American. You're a great-grandfather with the bit of the hot dogs? Fuck yeah, I love hot dogs, right? Like, it is okay to also celebrate, like, the
0: short history that
1: you have. I'm just saying, though, know, that too, when that too. person oh, did
0: that, nice. most likely they were coming from German with the sausage making information.
1: Sure, which is even so, great, right? Like, that's,
0: the, the, the And the that's where I is, can say, hey, fast understand that your blood has now soaked into this earth that was that is soaked with countless other tears and blood of people who lived here for thousands of years before you did right and now we can use that earth together right but it has to be something where we're talking to the natives about what they think that should look like right there has to be some aspect of integration for me of Native America into the mainstream as far as the leadership of our country. Mm. And I think that once people realize, I've been working on this little side project um, atmospheric changes developed from, brought on from strip mining.
1: Ooh,
0: all right. Yeah, because I was like, this is a lot of storms. Like, this is way too many storms. Like, this is like out of what's going on. Um, and then I was reading this book about West Virginia and Virginia and Appalachia and how many mountains that they had cut off the tops of there's like 3000 mountain tops. have been taken down in that area and I was like, Oh wow. Like I flashed back to atmospheric science class when they were talking about how the mountainous regions of the United States directly impact the, you know, development of storm patterns around the world. Mm. And I was like, well, there you go. We just screwed ourselves. <laughs> so I was just like trying to create a, basically um. How can we get businesses to go back to deep mining as a solution in the sense that before deep mining was really bad for health issues, but after the pandemic, we've had some real increases in respiratory science that I really do think would have impact miners in a way to create a healthier way for people to mine and also bring back economic stability to those mountainous regions that have hundreds of years almost of history of mining, Right? that we have people who know what they're doing, um, and is there a way to build underground cities? Is there a way to change the mining culture and structure away from just pure, you know, mineral or metal out, you know, acquisition and into, you know, more housing space, right? Or more, especially since we have this earth that we we only build upwards, we don't build downwards. I've been thinking about that as far as the ocean too, but you know, I me, mean, I can't. Side projects. Um. <laughs> so but anyway we should probably close it down because we've been talking for a second but we'll come back to this right we'll we'll have some more podcasting with jason and with faith um you're gonna finish beef so that way we finish beef and then we can talk because it's it's only 30 minute episodes i mean look i'll finish beef but i'm still gonna watch my
1: disney content i'm still gonna support these things i'm still gonna watch I'm sure. be like, this this
0: totally i'm still yeah. gonna go through hey listen i'm watching mandalorian myself right <laughs> I, I'm on Dude, the Disney I, channel. I, <laughs> I did. I mean, it's like it's good, but like it's weird sometimes. I'm not a huge. Sometimes I'm like, uh but because they have Mandalorian, I keep that channel. You know, because I told Storm, I was like, we gotta cut down on the channels. You know, and he's like, well, not Disney Plus. So I was like, okay, not Disney Plus. You know, so but I definitely think it's supportive, and and the Disney company is something that's so much joy. Um, to me, to so many people, you know, mm-hmm. so I, I definitely may not go to the theaters to see everything, but I definitely plan on seeing The Little Mermaid yes. when it does come out, you know, because I, I love her and I love this yep. thing. I just I dream of seeing her in her own content.
1: Yeah, you know, and I'm I hope that. maybe this is like the launch path to have more projects where there's going to be a lot more funding, a lot more opportunities, some stronger casting, right, to support her and other, you know.
0: I hope so, but I hear a lot of kind of rumbling that it might be a very any similar situation, people protesting or those things like that, and if that happens, then it's, uh, people get a bad taste in their mouth, and there's just so, so much easier to make diversity palatable, is what I tell people, if, if you don't make it like a nasty spoon. <laughs> And it's not, hopefully it's not, especially with so, such a pretty girl with such lovely long hair, you know, that's reddish. And, you know, there there could be a bunch of people who really adopt it um, yeah. because she does fit that mold of Ariel, I feel, you know, like she's not un-Ariel, if that makes sense from the princess perspective of little yeah. bouncy girl, yeah, you know, yeah, little yeah. slight actress. She's a small girl, too, you know, so Ariel was kind of small to me, you know, I mean, compared to the other, some of the other princesses.
1: You know, it's funny, I, it's funny you talk about people just protesting, because in my mind, I just like, why can't we just have lazy protesting again? Just, like, stay home. Like, I don't give a shit. Like, stay home. Don't block the street. We don't need to add more traffic into congestion. It's like, stay home. It's cool. I get it.
0: I, I seriously, I think maybe there'll be, like, a boycott or people who are like, don't go see it, but I think it'll probably be fine. It's one of those things where people are also showing power of, like, People who were anti-Chris Pratt, anti-Christians, a lot of those folks who support him turned out for the Super Mario movie, I think, Mm. and he had the number one box office hit in like the last five years or something, right? It was like 297 million opening, like 397 global, like 200 something, uh, you know, domestic. So it was really successful for opening weekend. I thought We actually saw it on Tuesday. It was cute. I liked it. I thought, yo, okay, I'll tell Storm because he wants to see it real bad. I got to take him, probably have to take him actually to a movie theater because he's like really hardcore about it.
1: <laughs> I, I think it's going to be a lot of you saying, hey, look at this Easter. Egg. Oh, hey, this is what this music is, right? I, again, going to the whole conversation about having that parental guardian guidance about sharing what you are watching, why it's so impactful. Like, he's going to have a great time with you
0: yeah he likes it he likes it a lot it's like one of his favorites so i was like okay but we'll come back to this conversation we'll keep it going um and uh we just appreciate everybody tuned in and listen thank you so much for joining us Woo-hoo. um and uh that's we'll sign off right say bye
1: we'll see you later
0: bye bye